My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting in my living room. It was in the morning. I was reading and I was just kind of processing through some things. And so I just kind of looking off, thinking a little bit. And I, and I noticed something and it, and it bugged me. Have you ever had one of those moments where you, you've never seen something until one day you look at it and you go, why didn't I ever notice that before, right? So I, I see they're reading and I had a blanket around me, had a cup of coffee. There was a cat somewhere annoying me. And, and I, I just kind of think and I look off and I, I look at an electrical outlet. And I look at that electrical outlet and I go, that's wrong. Why have I never noticed? I've lived in this house 10 years. Why did I not notice that electrical outlet's upside down? Because most electrical outlets are happy faces. This was like the upset face, the angry face. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Do you guys not see things like that? Uh, it was just like, I sat there and I thought, that bothers me. I was in a meeting, a uh, trustee meeting at Corbin University this week, and I'm sitting there, sitting there with all these people, and I'm just kind of looking at different pictures of past presidents, and I go over, and I notice this one's crooked. Like, it's all over for me at that point. I don't care what's being said, what's finances, prayer, what students, I don't care. The picture's crooked. And so at the break, I go over and straighten it. Now I can be okay. You know, I, I have issues. Trust me, I have issues. But you do too. I know that. And that just bothered me. So I sat there and I thought, that, who put that outlet upside down? Because it's got that, oh no, Mr. Bill face. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody old enough to know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like that frightened face. It's like a little upset, angry face. It's like, I, I like my outlets to have happy faces. I really do. It's kind of one of my goals in life. So I still haven't changed it, but I need to get to that. Uh, so I even went online. I go, you know, is that wrong? You know, because I want it to be right. That's kind of my internal struggle there. And it's like, well, it's an option in some areas. As long as it's grounded, I'm like, oh, okay. But I still need to fix that. Because I want happy outlets in my house, right? Because I, I want a good outlook on life, right? I mean, I, I think about this. Sorry, that was sad. Um, I, think, I think in life, we are like one or the other, right? We go through life with a joy and smile on our face, or we go with some sadness or pain, right? And maybe it goes seasonally back and forth. You know, they say there are people that are optimists and people that are pessimists. And, and I want to be an optimist. I want to see the future. I want to see the excitement. I want to see the possibility. Because as a follower of God, I think God is real. And as he's real, he wants to see that. And he wants us to be an, a part of that. We even heard it with Lionel's story. There's a lot of reason to be sad. I mean, when he was sharing, I just, I just all of a sudden, this emotion just hit me. It's like losing your dad and then losing your mom and being forced to change your religion and then saying no. And at 13 years old, walking away into what? A 13-year-old? Just saying, I, I, have to, I have to leave. That's emotional, right? 
And there could be reason for joy in that, but there's a lot of reason for pain and sadness. Boy, we've got it in the room, I'm sure. Some of you are, you know, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of reason. There's a lot of good things going on. And then for some of you, man, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of struggle. And you have reason for having a frown in your heart, right? Uh, we've been through this book of Ecclesiastes. And as we've journeyed week after week, we've seen Solomon both ways. Solomon being the author of this book in the Old Testament, it's a book of wisdom, It's a book that has poetry embedded in it. It's a book that has advice for you and for me. It's his treatise. It's what we believe at the end of his life, writing, looking back on his life of a guy who had rejected God, really. I mean, he worshiped other idols and unbelievable things he was a part of as he walked away from God, being the wisest guy ever to live, right? I I would say apart from Jesus, but the wisest guy. He had all this wisdom. God gave him and granted him the wisdom. And he's writing this book, and I got to be frank, sometimes it's really pessimistic. Uh, As I was preparing for this, and early on, people, you know, pastors like, what are you preaching? I'm like, you know, Ecclesiastes, and like, why? It's like, you have a death warrant? Are you depressed or whatever, you know? You need some medication? No, it's a good book. I think it's a great book. A lot of people don't like it. It's been one of my favorite books. Because I, sometimes you see Solomon as an optimist, and sometimes you see as a pessimist. But I've come to realize in preaching this, I've never preached it before, he's a realist. He's, he's, he's an optimist sometimes. He's a pessimist sometimes. But undergirding all of it, he's just telling us the reality of life. If you really want to wake up and, and, and understand what life is all about, Ecclesiastes reminds us. And it reminds us of the fact that life is short, And then you die. (laughs) But what happens in this life really matters. And you can live it to the full. And you can enjoy it for everything God gives you. Or you can miss out on the most important part of life. The phrase he uses over and over and over again is under the sun. And he says it over and over and over again. And we're going to hear it a couple more times, several more times, that if you live life just with this, you know, this perspective of the earth, this earthly perspective, life under the sun, you're going to miss out on the truth of life. And as Derry said so well last week, if you have an open heaven idea, they realize that you're living under heaven, all of a sudden it's a different canopy you're living under. It's not just on the earth and under the earth. It's under the sun. It's just under heaven. And now life begins to make sense. And now you can live with purpose in the middle of maybe a group of people that don't have that perspective, but you can be changed from the inside out. And so today we wrap up the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to see some of chapter 11 and then a little bit of chapter 12, and we'll finish it out. We'll have a great close on this book. So if you have a Bible, you could turn there. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes 11, or it's uh, on the screen right now. And so Solomon uh, starts in verses 7 and 8 of Ecclesiastes 11 as we draw the final curtain on this book and this play. He says, light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. I I enjoy that because it is an encouraging thing to wake up in the morning. Uh, Hopefully, you know, you get up in the morning and some of you are at the 11 o'clock service because you're night people. I get that. You're late night people. But I've trained myself to be a morning person. I wake up early. I go down, get some coffee. I sit there, read my Bible, that kind of thing. And I love, I love it. 
when all of a sudden I look out the window and I see the sun coming up, streaming through uh, the Douglas fir there over the grass, over the fields. And it's a beautiful thought. Even yesterday, I was reading David's words where he said, I will awaken the dawn with my song. I love that. What a, what a, poet right there. Poetic words. I will awaken the dawn with my song. I'm like, I will awaken the dawn with my coffee and maybe a song. Okay. You know, if the coffee starts to affect me. Right. But it's like in the morning, you think about it. It's like a new day. It's a fresh day to think about God. It's a brand new blank slate, a clean opportunity to say, what's going to be first in my life? What's going to be most important today? How am I going to set my rudder, my true north to something that's going to be meaningful so that when I put my head to the pillow, life will have made sense or I would have made a difference, right? So he says, light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, Now, I'm going to leave that up to you to decide if that's you or not, okay? Because some of you, some some of us are in denial about that, you know? Uh, He's going to talk about old people and young people. I'll just let you make that decision, right? You can figure out the category you're in. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Now, he's going to tell us what those dark days are. They're not dark days like depressing days emotionally. They're dark days physically that our bodies begin to wear out. He's going to tell us that in great detail. Everything still to come is meaningless. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, it's that backhanded compliment. It's really good stuff. And let me jab you again with everything is meaningless. Again, apart from God, everything is empty. Everything is like a vapor that just comes up and disappears. Life is so fast. And if you put all of your energies and all of your focus, your eyes on this earth, it's going to be gone in a moment. It's going to be gone in a moment. This this morning, I saw the brand new babies, like just weeks old, come in. You know, but those babies one day will be on their deathbed. You know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years from now. It's going to pass just like that because that's how our life is. It's just so fast. And if we don't think about that, we will miss out on the real life. So he says here, if you're old, you know, rejoice in every day you've got because you're not going to have forever on those days, right? There will be a limit. He goes on in verse 9 to say this. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. So if you feel young, that's for you, okay? Uh, enjoy every minute of it. Do, every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. I think about this. I remember my, my teens. I, I forget my junior high years because you've got to black that stuff out. That's really bad. But high school uh, and, and, you know, college and my 20s. Man, those were the time of my life. Those, there's so many fond memories, amazing adventures and stories. It's, you know, it's like the best years sometimes you think about of your life. You look back on that with fondness. If you're in those seasons, enjoy that. Solomon is saying, when you're young, take every opportunity to use all that energy, all that brightness, all that focus you have and enjoy it. Now, he's not saying go out and sin. He's saying, live your life in such a way that all of this youthfulness has a purpose to it. Enjoy it. Just be on the adventure of life. Enjoy that. And so if you're young, man, you are given a gift and every old person is mad at you because you took their youth, right? They don't have it anymore. And you're like, what? And some of us will go, you're wasting it, right? Just enjoy it. Enjoy it because it is a gift from God. You have your youthfulness Don't just let it pass by without a focus. Think about what God wants to do in you and through you every day. 
so that your youthfulness, your youth, really has a purpose. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Again, there's a responsibility with the life that God gives us. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. (laughs) And in case you get a little too happy, let me remind you once a time, your whole life before you is meaningless, okay? All right, remember that youth with your whole life before you is meaningless. Apart from God, under the sun, if you live your whole life and blow it, You're going to one day wake up and go, wow, I could have done that. I could have experienced this. And I hope you have that encounter. At 15, I had that encounter when I said yes to following Jesus Christ. And that's when life, real life took off for me. When all of a sudden my focus and my energy, I just exploded because I had a spiritual life now under heaven, no longer just under the sun. He says this. As he goes on, he says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. I like that, that word creator, that's that song we sang that you are God. There, there's no other God. I mean, there are man-made gods, human type things we worship and bow down to and purposes that really don't matter and pursuits and all those things that one day just fail us. But if you remember that you were made, You were created by God and for God. Until you get that right, nothing else makes sense. And you find this purpose for your life. You have a creator God. I think about just going back to the very, very beginning of the Bible, the garden, that God showed up as creator, created everything. And as he created everything, he said, it's good. And he made everything out in space and everything here on the earth and all the creatures and all the, this is the beauty that we live in here in the Northwest. He made it. And it was good. But then it says he made mankind, Adam and Eve, and it's very good. And amongst all the creation, he didn't say this except with them. We were made in the image of God. And that we can have a relationship with our creator. But I think a lot of us, you know, we forget. And we start thinking we're the creator and we're the ruler. And we go off the rails like like everybody's done, right? Back to Adam and Eve. He says, remember your, your creator in your youth. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars dim in your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him, this is good, before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. Some of you are there. Don't raise your hand, right? You walk with a little bit of unsteadiness. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was at a uh, Ron Laraker's uh, RA3, to those of you know what that means. And um, I was over there at a Hillsborough 2035 booth, and I was talking to a couple of the ladies that were serving with me, and they both had fallen recently. And they're only like in their 40s. And they're like, I don't know what happens. Gravity takes over, right? It's like you lose it and you fall on your face, right? You don't have to be 40. Some of you, you're, you're 80 and you, your legs are strong. And some of you, you feel like, you know, it, life is collapsing already. Solomon says, remember that one day it's going to be hard to stand up. It's going to be hard to walk without support. He says here, and before your shoulders, your strong men stoop. Some of you are already getting shorter in life, right? Gravity has taken its effect, the toll over the years, and you start to bend over, right? Remember God before all that happens. He goes on to describe in beautiful detail more about getting old. Remember him before your teeth. Your few remaining servants stop grinding and you have to wear dentures, right? 
Before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. I, I'm, I'm 54, and I tell you, I'm already wearing plus 1.5s, you know? And it's in the morning. I got to put those babies on so I can see, right? Read the Bible. And, and then every once in a while, I have to turn more light on to see. If you've been in one of those restaurants where it's romantically dim, you're like, what? I can't even see the menu. That's kind of the goal. They don't want you to know how much you're paying. Then the check comes in. You just write numbers, and then they help you later on. I'm like, I need a light. Has anybody had to do that recently? I had to do that. It's embarrassing. I'm like, give me my iPhone, and I can turn the... I don't know what the bill says. The letters or numbers are too small. Anyway, that's kind of where I'm at. Hey, don't feel bad for me. You're going to be there, too. All right. Remember him before the door to life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all the sounds will grow faint because you need hearing aids, right? Our bodies are wearing out, Solomon says. It's good to be young, enjoy youthfulness. Remember your creator? Hey, you're going to be old one day. Let me tell you about it. He's going to tell us more about it. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worrying about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. And, And not because... Platinum is a good color these days, but because that's the natural color, right? And you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. That's cool. Man, I'm glad I came to church today. That's encouraging. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. I love this. Uh, I was just reading just a couple days ago, David is bringing in the Ark of the God's Covenant there, that, that majestic uh, box representing the relationship between God and man, the nation of Israel. He's bringing it into the city, and the gates are opened up, and everybody's singing and dancing. He's dancing, and, and everything's going on great. And then he sends people home with a slab of meat and some cake, some raisin date cake, and you look it up, and it's like, it's like an aphrodisiac. It's like, go eat some meat and have babies, <laughs> you know? Like, thank you. That's an interesting verse to apply. <laughs> uh, but it's like, that's, it's like the Viagra of the day. I don't mean to be crass, but that's what they're saying. It's like, remember before things don't work anymore, all right? Remember him before you near the grave. This is Solomon. He says, I want you to wake up to realize one day it's all going to be over, all right? Remember him before you near the grave. Wow, this is, this, is, this is emotional. Your everlasting home when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Wow, from such a high to such a low. From such youthfulness when everything is great and everything is exciting to one day it's going to be over, right? Wow, and that is sobering. And what he's saying is if you don't get that perspective, you will miss out on life. If you don't think about death you might miss out on life because one day we all go that way. But I had the honor to do the funeral in the graveside of a friend of a neighbor. And um, it was, I think it was particularly sobering for me because I was asked to, and it was an honor to help carry the casket. I haven't done that in a long time. And wow, my goodness, when you're standing there with family and friends and you're carrying a casket, if that doesn't cause you to think about life and death, nothing will. So we carried it down and sat it there and did the graveside for the family and friends and said the words, we know what they are, right? From earth to earth. Was it ashes to ashes, dust to dust? We, we talk about that. The Bible says that in the beginning, God fashioned us out of the dust, the dirt of the earth. Out of the dirt, God made us. Out of the stuff of this earth, God made us. And he breathed the breath of life into us. 
And one day we'll breathe our last and we will return to that where we've come from. Solomon says, remember him before that happens because that's final. That's final. Now we know as we have more of the Bible in the New Testament, Jesus addresses it. The apostle Paul, John addresses it. The disciple of Jesus. That one day there is more to life than just this life. There's more than just death. There's a real life. There's an eternal life. And what Jesus talks about and Paul talks about and then John in Revelation talks about is that one day we will all be judged for the life that we lived here on the earth. The Apostle Paul says it this way, that as believers of followers of Jesus Christ, those that are We would call ourselves Christians, but not because we come to church, but because we have received eternal life through Christ. What Jesus has done on the cross by by dying for us has been applied to our spiritual account, and we now stand before God, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because of his grace. We now are sons and daughters of God, that one day, yes, we will die, and we will be judged according to what we've done with the life he's given us. And some... Some will have wasted their spiritual life and the fires will burn through all that stuff. And others, there'll be be a lot to show to, we believe, honor God back with the life. And what he's invested in us, we return to him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you've been been so faithful of a little little bit. Come on in, celebrate your master's happiness. I'm going to give you a lot more to to rule over and to to kind of be a part of in my kingdom. And and I'm so thankful. I'm so so glad that you did it. And you're going to celebrate with me. And we're like, well, I'm kind of thankful that you let me in, you know? <laughs> thankful for the fact that you included me when I didn't deserve any of it. There's a judgment coming for all believers, the Bible says. It's a judgment of rewards, though, or loss. But then John in particular addresses, Jesus talks about it, but John in particular addresses another kind of judgment. And it's the final judgment. It's referenced as the great white throne judgment. When everybody who's died apart from Christ will be resurrected and stand before him and be judged. And the Bible says their names will not be found in the Lamb's book of life, the eternal, secure book of life. And the part of the Bible, if I could get a black marker and mark out, because it's just beyond tragic. It's beyond imagination. But that's true is that All who rejected Christ during their life, neglected Christ, pushed him away, said no to eternal life, will be cast into the lake of fire, which was created for the devil and his angels. We were not made for that. We were made for a relationship with God. But if we reject him, we will be judged accordingly. If we say no to him now, then that's the final answer for us. And everything we do as a church, my whole life is about this, that you say yes to Jesus, that we'll do whatever it takes for you to get to know Jesus because this is eternal life, knowing Jesus the Son and then having a relationship with the Father and having God's Spirit put inside of you to empower you to live this life, to know him. So Solomon goes on. He says, yes, remember your creator now while you are young before this. Oh, this is good. This is poetry right here. Before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Wow. We don't really know what he's talking about. Some people think it's like a light that's, you know, hanging by a cord and it breaks because of age and fraying. Others probably more accurately reference it to 
There's a physical body we all have, a material self, and then there's an immaterial self, a spiritual body that we have, an internal life, our spirit, our soul, and that that will disconnect at death. And then our spiritual life goes on, our, our immaterial part goes on. One day that disconnects and this body dies and decays back into the ground, but the eternal part of us lives on. He says here, don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring. This is another picture of death, that if you go to take your water jar and you grab it and dip it in the water at the spring and the water rushes down and you've got this life is what the water represents. And one day that jar will be smashed and it won't be able to hold any more life because it'll just be gone. Uh, The silver cord will snap and the water jar will break and then it says here the pulley will be broken at the well it's a picture right you see that and the rope and you pull the rope over a pulley and the bucket is getting the water and pulling it up and one day that pulley is going to be broken these are just all metaphors for death metaphors for that moment when we are no more here physically on the earth for then the dust will return to the earth and there it is we will go back to be what we were created out of, right? Our bodies will decay and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And one day we will breathe our last breath. The breath of God will be gone for us. But the question is, will we have ever breathed real spiritual life? That's my question for you, my friends. Will you have ever had the spiritual breath of God flowing through you, giving you life, giving you purpose, giving you assurance of your today and your eternity, and giving you a focus for doing whatever he wants you to do. Because one day that season will pass, that moment will pass. Of course, we pray it's a long time from now, right? But none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We just don't know what will happen. So we better be ready. We better be prepared for it. Because then when that moment happens, when that silver cord breaks, when that water jar is smashed, when that pulley is broken, and we breathe our last, it's over. And then we enter into the next life, the real life to come, either with him in eternity or apart from him for eternity. Now, he goes in and just wraps it up with these last few words. <laughs> just in case we were getting a little happy, let me bring you back down to the earth. Everything is meaningless. Everything's a vapor. Everything is vanity. Everything is worthless. Again, apart from life with God, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. This is Solomon. Now this third party comes in, kind of breaks that fourth wall and says, let me tell you a little bit about Solomon. Uh, Keep this in mind. Solomon, the teacher, was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. Now think about that for just a moment. We read uh, the book of Proverbs, most of that written by Solomon. A lot of Proverbs that are contained there. His song, the Song of Solomon, it's a beautiful poetic book about sexual romantic love, and then Ecclesiastes. Now, what we have in our Bible, those words of Solomon, that's it, my friends. You think about it. The wisest person ever to live wrote everything we needed down. Now, we believe God supernaturally put it together that way, wrote it down for you and for me, everything we need for life and godliness and wisdom on this life. He wrote it down. He put it here. This is it. Let's not just rush through it, right? That's what we've been preaching through week after week because this is what you and I need to know how to live the right kind of life. And he expressed those truths clearly. Let's go on here. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, uh, painful but helpful. 
Their collected sayings are like nail-studded sticks with which a shepherd drives the sheep. The, the idea here is that a correction doesn't feel good, but it's necessary. It's spurring one another on to love and good deeds. It's, it's correcting us, and we would say in our words today, God hit us over the head with a two-by-four, right? Which doesn't feel good, but if it got our attention and got us right on the back, back on the right path, that's a good thing. That's what the Word of God does for us. But... My child, let me give you some further advice. If you're a student, you want to write this down. For the writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. Amen and amen, right? Finals are coming up. That's it, right? Okay, yeah, glory. Here we go. Last part. He says, that's the whole story. That's all she wrote. That's it. That's, we're done. Except let me just encapsulate it with the final, final post, post, postscript. Here is now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. But that's it right there. That is the capstone of Solomon's doctoral work right there. Everything's right there. That's it. Solomon's advice for you and for me, number one, fear God. Fear God, what does that mean? Well, it it means to have this deep-seated awesome reverence of God. I I think about that picture in in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah in chapter 6 is brought into the throne room of God and he sees God in all his glory and he says, I'm a dead man because I'm a sinful man. That's that moment. We realize we're not creator. We're the creation. We're the created. And, And it's like, have this respect. Put God first in your life and everything you do. Fear God. You're either gonna fear God or you're gonna fear others. And the fear of others, the Bible says, is a snare, is a trap. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, that's how Solomon starts his book of Proverbs. If you really want to grow wise, put God first. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Put God first. And then number two, obey his commands. Yeah, obey his commands. Uh, Little kid, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. In fact, one of the disciples, John himself said, Jesus' words, if you love me, you will obey my commands. The way we show our love for God is by obedience. And his commands are not burdensome. They actually bring life. They bring joy. To some of us that may feel like, I don't want to go through that door of obedience because that's going to wreck my life. It's going to deprive me. But everybody who's walked through the door of obedience looks back and goes, hey, that was the best thing for me. This is the best life possible right now. This is by obeying what Jesus has said, what God has instructed in his word. Now I have understanding I didn't have before. Obey his commands. Obey them. And then finally, he says here, just realize this. One day we're going to be standing before him. So prepare for the final judgment. Prepare for that. And you can do that today. Don't put that one off. Prepare for the final judgment. Because one day we will all be judged. Either as followers of Christ, we're judged in a a Bema seat kind of judgment where we're rewarded according to how we've lived our lives for him. Or a great white throne judgment because we've pushed him aside and relegated him to something that we might do one day. And we never did. One day we'll be judged. I I guess the question as you close up Ecclesiastes in your mind is what will you have taken away from it? I'm a World War II buff. I always have been. There's just that part where I studied it. And one of the stories that always gripped me was of the Bismarck, a German... Uh, just a massive battleship, just an unbelievable fast 30 knots on the water, uh, 
was it uh, eight, 12 inch, 15 inch guns? Just unbelievable firepower, the unsinkable Bismarck. And she was just a destroyer of the Navy, of the British Navy. And so the Bismarck in 1941 was steaming through and the British Navy was assembled to go after her and she just launched those shells and sank, she sank the hood and as the hood was going down, only three out of 2,000 sailors survived. And then she retreated and then she came out again another day and the whole British army just tried to lob everything at her. And an interesting thing happened. The Bismarck began to steer in an erratic direction, began to zigzag, ultimately began to go in circles, heading back toward the British fleet, where she was sunk. The unsinkable was sunk. And later they discovered why, because when the hood was being attacked and the hood was going down, one of the biplanes that had torpedoes was launching those torpedoes against the Bismarck, and little did that pilot know, but one of those torpedoes hit a rudder on the Bismarck. And what only showed up later in the next battle was that rudder got stuck in the wrong direction. And that ship was led to the bottom of the ocean because of that. And that's what I want to say, my friends. You can have all the power in the world. You can have all the prestige in the world. You can be impressive. But if your rudder is off, you're not going to be able to navigate in this world. Because God's word is our navigation tool. It's our compass. It sets our true north. And if you don't set your true north by what God says, you will suffer as a result of it. It may not feel like it now, but one day you'll look back and go, I wish, you know, I wish. Well, why don't you do something about it now? Set your true north to Jesus. Make sure your compass is set toward him. Make sure your rudder is set correct in a direction that brings honor to him. Because man, you won't be disappointed in him. He won't fail you. He won't leave you. He's never going to forsake you and discard you. He's going to be faithful to you. He is the faithful one. He's the author of life. So if you want real life, come to the author of life and get some. He's the real living water. If you want some real water to drink, because one day the pulley is going to be smashed and the jar is going to be smashed and the cord is going to break, Come to him for living water. I hope as we've finished Ecclesiastes that you hear just one final thing. Everything is meaningless (laughs) apart from Jesus, (laughs) apart from life under God. Everything is vain. Everything is futile. It looks good now, but it will fall apart and it will disappoint you. It will decay. But God is secure And God's foundation is strong. Would you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for the fact that Solomon wrote these words down. And we get to read them thousands of years later. And we get to set the course of our life with those in mind. And I pray that's what we do today. That we make a commitment again to Solomon's wisdom. That we fear you first. We put you first, God. And not fear others, but put you as the number one of our life. That everything you do and say directs the course of our life. And that we obey your commands. That we put your heart as our heart. Your desire as our desire. Your path as our path. And if we're off, God, correct us. Bring us back to that. And that we prepare for the final judgment. And in doing so, know that our eternity and therefore our life is safe and secure in you. Because we're not guaranteed any more breath. And one day we'll breathe it out and it'll be gone. And our body will decay. But what we've done with you, alas, is 
And I said, set on my grandma's refrigerator on the magnet. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. God, may we do what matters most for you, what matters most to you today. For some, it means course correction in our Christian life. For others, it means entering into a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And my friends, if that's you today, I just want to offer up a little invitation. The Bible says to all those who believed in in Jesus, his name, to those who received him, he gave the power to become children of God. That means that we acknowledge the truth of Jesus. But more than that, we put our trust in him. We receive him as the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And we become children of God and our course is set. Our eternity is secure. Our foundation is strong, never to fail. And if you want to do that, man, just right now, just say simple words like this. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I put my trust in him. I believe in him as your son. And I confess that he's my Lord. I receive him as my savior and I become a child of yours. God, that is eternal life. I did it almost 40 years ago. So many people have done it at sunrise. I pray they've done it this morning. You will not forsake us. You are God alone and we put our trust in you. In your name we pray, amen.